0: hello waffle press listeners if you haven't unsubscribed yet from from diego's controversial hot takes of star wars the last jedi batman returns the star wars prequels and whatever other uh odd choices that the waffle press retrospectives have made over the last three years get get your wtf face ready also i'm kale smith from the youth critic podcast <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for that introduction, Kale. Uh, yes, get your, your what-the-fuck faces on. I'm your host, Diego Crispo. Uh, thanks again, Kale, for joining me. Uh, we did a great episode on Love, Simon last time. I'm really proud of the episode. It's one of the better episodes I think I've done ever. Uh, and thank you for bringing that up on the one-year anniversary. Uh, I was really happy to do that. How have you been since then? I
0: have been really good. Just chilling, just... Uh... Watch, just watching people respond to it uh someone made a really nice tribute to love simon and shared a, a and like posted as a comment below our our thing on twitter and that was really nice and very sweet uh thank you so anyway diego um why is everyone gonna have a what the fuck face
1: well i think you you gotta you gotta let the listeners know oh. on that one uh we're here to talk about movies so, today we're going to talk about a very different movie, a movie I did not know existed, although it's from someone I am a big fan of. And, uh, Kale, why did you bring up Looker, directed and written by Michael Crichton?
0: Okay, so I brought up Looker because I also did not know this movie existed until, like, two years ago, and I'm a big fan of Michael Crichton. Uh, assuming that's who you're thinking of, or mention. Mentioning. yes I did not know about it and I didn't even know that Michael Crichton had a directing or filmmaking career until like Westworld was becoming a thing and and it was like established oh wait Westworld was not a novel it was a feature film um, from the 70s and and then I just did some more research and then a podcast that I regularly listen to called the projection Booth podcast uh, from Mike White did an hour and 44 minute episode on looker and I heard the premise and the thing that got me the most attracted to the movie was that sound by or that clip of uh the first girl we see in the plastic surgeon or dr roberts office and she's like I want my nose like what like 0.5 millimeters to the right point millimeter and my eye Point. I, I don't know all the specifics but she just wanted like little increment like d- measures just to make herself look more beautiful. And and after that scene um, I, I, I was hooked. I was hooked and I wanted to know more about this movie. And then I saw it one night because uh, I had to video rent this by the way. Because it was it's kind of a hard movie to find. Uh, it's a little bit easier now because Warner Brothers has released the Warner Archives uh, on Blu-ray, but this was a little bit harder to find, and I watched it late at night, and I was actually kind of bored the first time I watched it, but I was still fascinated by the the satire and basically kind of the corporate chain of it. And then um, not long after that, I had seen... Uh, Bringing all this back into the Waffle Press show, I had seen Halloween 3 for like the first time. And I was like, oh shit. Uh, this is very similar to Michael Crichton's Looker. And, because uh, they both deal with like corporations, you know, using advertising and kind of that, uh, that now like. Re- now that I think it was back in the 1980s when Reagan kind of got rid of the, uh, like the amount of ads you can put on TV or like the limit. Do you remember? What, do you know what I'm talking about? I and
1: yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like they really loosened the the chains on that, and it's it's like embarrassing how um, how like front loaded some of those things are, and how uh, corporatized like that. That whole industry is really kind of like gross when you really take a look at it and yeah when i was watching this because again i had never seen it until you recommended it um i was like oh my god this is just like halloween 3 and they came out in the same year so this is kind of like a dante's uh inferno volcano situation you know
0: actually if we want to get specific it came out on the same day as halloween 2
1: wait yes really I thought Looker came. Oh no! Halloween three came out the year after. Mm, then, huh? It came
0: out in eighty two. Uh, okay, that's and right. And this came out literally the same day as Halloween two. So, you, so on October thirtieth, you had your option of you could watch Michael Myers and Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis at it again, or you can watch Michael Crichton's like piece on you know how advertising is getting out of control and it's going to get even more out of control when we can replicate actors and computers can do everything. So you can, which one would you choose? It's, 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 yeah, it's bizarre. It's
1: not nearly as bizarre as Halloween three, but that's cause Halloween three is just fucking on another planet. <laughs> like a weird with like magic and computers and all that shit. But this, this one's not normal either. Um, there's like weird stun guns, but instead of like stunning people with electricity, they stun people like in their mind and it makes them freeze and lose track of time. And then there's like a computer that – well, this this is the one thing that, that, that scared me. Uh, again, on Let's Talk About Movies, we're assuming that you watch the movie for the first time unless we're generally talking about something specific. Uh, Like a relatively newer movie. This is from 1981, so if you haven't seen Looker, right now I'm just going to say I would recommend it. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's a great time. And I think it's very interesting in how it kind of foretold some uh, less than acceptable advertisement practices.
0: It's even – we can even go to it like in – terms of now in terms of how we make movies with the de aging technology and even most recently, you know, the morality of bringing back Peter Cushing for Tarkin in Rogue One.
1: And even before that, specifically relating to commercials and advertisement, um oh my God, i I can't remember the, Audrey Hepburn, uh, what started in a commercial long after she died. Uh I think it was it was like a perfume ad or some kind. And uh that similar technology kind of it, – it, it's a big part of this movie in how um, this corporation is, like, advertising to people and like, acceptable circumstances. And that's – It's the Gal- – That's it's uh,
0: Isn't it the Galaxy chocolate or Galaxy phone? Was that what it was? That's what Google is saying.
1: Okay. I, I don't on. trust oh. Google, but that's – it sounds like you're right.
0: Well, looking at Looker, it predicts – it predicted a lot of things that you know would come to play in terms of we now like scan our actors for motion capture roles. I mean, we, I mean, I mean, we've been doing this since you know the '90s, but now it's become kind of prevalent that we now take scans of actors because of th- re- recent incidences uh, like the Paul Walker situation and the with Furious Seven, and then uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman for the Hunger Games, where we would. We needed it to kind of, i think there started to become like a movement to where we took like photographs or certain images to where we could maybe like use it for a couple scenes just to finish their roles um i think that i think that's now become a thing i'm not 100 sure i heard this like four like four years ago or four or five years ago because that became a problem for furious seven in hunger games mocking jay part two where the actors didn't finish their roles before they died, and they had to like use some CGI to work around it. So now we're getting to that point where, um, where that's becoming a thing, and it's it is a little scary, uh, especially as seen in the movie of how scanning actors and then putting them, you know, in realistic environments and manipulating audiences in a way to where they'll buy a product or even buy into someone's political speech regardless of like what's being said. Like, I think that's really the scariest part of Looker that it presents. And, and knowing Michael Crichton, Michael Crichton one of those authors that always was ahead of the game or ahead of his time in terms of like predicting like technology because, and I think that's kind of why everyone kind of looked at this like, this is crazy craziness. Because no one could just fathom that this could happen, but now we're kind of sort of living—not to be all like Tin Hat, but we're kind of sort of getting to that point of looker. Not to an extreme yet, but we're getting close to that point. That makes no, no. I
1: don't. I don't think it's Tin Hat at all. Like minus the the like conspiracy murder stuff that goes on. That that I kind of have like quibbles with in this movie because it doesn't really. The thing that kicks off the plot of this movie I don't fully comprehend and I think there's like a legitimate criticism in this movie about how – you know how sometimes a movie doesn't have like establishing shots a lot like Rogue One and Suicide Squad. Um, Two spectrums of quality for sure of a movie but like they kind of have trouble establishing where characters are at all times. I think Looker has the opposite problem where it it, it can't really – it's hard to keep track of where people are going from time to time. Like there's a sequence later at his doctor's – Albert Finney's character's doctor's office uh, where uh, there's, there's like a shootout and then there's a kidnapping, but it all happens like really fast and it's kind of unclear whether or not the other character was killed or taken. And so we just kind of have to wait to see where the film goes to get that information. And so that that's just weird. But I, I think generally the idea about like how – um. They're using computers to, like, quantify what is acceptable marketing, right? Like, what, what's the easiest way to deliver, like, these messages to the consumer to get them to buy their products is really kind of what is happening today anyways. <laughs> um, I mean, like, even look at, like, uh, I mean, Hollywood's always kind of done this where, like, they'll, they'll send out test audiences to, to screen something. This is, like, a way different scale than what we're seeing, like, with inside of Looker. But that's kind of the same idea where you're testing something for mass like acceptable consumption. Like what's gonna make people want to go see this. And that's not really a way to create anything. You know, that's brainwashing. With movies it, it is different. It, there's more like variables there, but it's um it's it is it is it did leave me a little uncomfortable, like, oh yeah, like that's that's where we're headed. That's that's what's happening. That's weird. That's that's kind of scary and gross.
0: Well, it creates an well, it also creates an unrealistic facade because if everything is perfect in a commercial, then how are people ever going to be pleased in in what in the product that they're selling anyway? Because if there's if everything is done a hundred percent down to the t in perfection, then how are people ever? Because you know that you if you know if you ever tried a product or tried something, you never got like one hundred percent satisfaction from it. Yeah, yeah. So it creates this unrealistic facade, and by the end of the movie, the facade is broken in the climax.
1: Yeah. Uh, the the finale is amazing, and then it kind of just ends, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 okay. But like apart apart from that, um, like the whole idea of like okay, he's like trying to like investigate these these marketing tactics for the whole film so the finale takes place inside the like the framing of the marketing itself like that's all that's really fun uh, they don't get nearly as clever with it as I as I wish they would like uh, once you see the first part with the assassin like kind of popping up in like the family friendly commercial like it's just kind of that repeated a couple times but whatever it's kind of fun it's different you know I'd, I'd never seen that um, on this scale before it's, it's it's a really low budget move and you can kind of tell. But that just makes that stuff more exciting. Like, oh yeah, they got a little, little uh, they got inventive with uh, with their budget, and um, all that stuff's really fun. I, I do want to say that this also does have the same problem as Halloween three, where the lead is like a forty year old like adult man, and then like the lead actress is in like uh, a twenty five year old young woman, and it's like, like this is, that's kind of gross. Like, come on, like I-, I get there's a difference in like. The time period but, but come on that's that was always gross guys um but, i mean i understand uh, I, I, I was gonna say if you could overlook that but no you shouldn't have to overlook that that was i still a little it's
0: weird uh but i i but i i kind of understand what Crichton's going for like Crichton didn't really want like a leading the typical leading man to be you know play a doctor because most like plastic surgeon doctors are not, like, uh, Robert Redford handsome. Uh, so I get the thinking behind it, is, you know, getting a classically trained actor to play an average guy that gets stuck in, you know, a very, very zany situation. Um, I, I get it, but you're totally right. Like, it feel it feels so much like, like, come on, dude. Like, come on. She's, like... You were in college when she was born. <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah, like, and at first I, I thought I was going to really like it because they weren't going for, like, the the sexual tension romance thing. Like, they, you think they're going there and it's like, oh, she's the last of his patients who, uh, who underwent this other program who hasn't been murdered yet. So he's trying to protect her. But then they do lead directly into the, the sexual tension thing and then it ends with them... Like uh, hugging together, and he's like, "Well, I can't date my patient, so I can't operate on you anymore, because I want to date you." And I was like, "Ah, oh, Jesus!" Like, I was with the movie; it's got it's got issues in terms of, like the filmmaking and stuff like that. But all the ideas I jived with. But then that stuff happens, and I'm like, "Come on, like, what the fuck? This is." Now I will say, I even though I, I had never seen this film before and I wasn't aware of its existence, I have seen um something else that subconsciously put this movie into my brain so there's this group called calm trues it's like tom cruise but you switch the t and the c and they're like um they're kind of a vaporwave music group that i really like they're really relaxing music in my opinion and they have a music video for one of their songs um that uses footage from the commercials in this film and so I recognized the images and I was like, oh my God, like, oh my, that's, it's, uh, it, it's Calm Truths. So I'll put a link down to that below because it's a, it's a really cool song. And it was also in the trailer to the excellent Ben Wheatley film High Rise, which I would also recommend.
0: Oh, nice.
1: But yeah, I just want, I just thought that was fun. Yeah. So it's
0: not completely forgotten by the film community. That's good.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, but I mean like Calm Truths is like. This is this film very clearly has like a niche audience. You know, uh and I am now part of that niche audience and I'm happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Thank you for for introducing me to it. But like the fact that it's not like it, this is the dude who made Jurassic Park and the fact that this isn't up there with like Westworld kind of speaks volumes, I think.
0: Well, to get well, you have to understand this movie was very poorly received. When it came out, and also it didn't have a good opening, so, so it 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 kind of has just been forgotten. But I think, but I hope, like after this podcast, people will start getting back on that train because I think it's interesting.
1: Yeah, it is a a very interesting movie, and it's too bad that like people kind of fell off of Westworld on HBO a little bit because this would have been a good time to like, hey, check out other Michael Crichton stuff cuz uh I would rec- hardly recommend the original Westworld film uh a lot. I really love that movie and obviously Jurassic Park is like the best movie ever made. Um this one's not nearly as good as those two, but it's it's a really interesting like uh artifact from his 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 uh I guess filmography and his his writing work cuz he's he's very interested Crichton is in um in really looking inwards into like humanity and our interests in technology and what it kind of says about us and like how, if we're not careful, these things are going to overwhelm us. And, uh, Westworld does not end on a really optimistic note. This one does, which I thought was odd. Cause I, I thought Halloween three for talking comparisons, cause they're very, very similar movies. Um, Halloween 3 ends on the right kind of note for that story. As much as I like the finale of this film, I don't know if it sticks the very end. Because it does lead off on a happy ending, but did anything change? The people in charge died, but the infrastructure is still there, you know? So I don't... I don't know how i feel about this and game. that's
0: my criticism for the ending is that the movie it just abruptly ends like yes um uh, the rest uh mr reston is dead and uh the people kind of leading that charge are gone but at, at but does anything do- change this because but on the other hand, you also have to understand, this is still, like, in testing phase, so it, it was, it was like, um, it's, like, I would kind of compare it to, like, they were making the virus still, and they were just testing it out, so maybe, hopefully, by indication of the ending, they were kind of hoping that this would, that by these people being dead, that now, you know, everything's contained, this project will not go forward, um, and... Albert Finney and Susan Day can go out and have a wonderful day and don't have to worry about have to worry about some uh, athlete chasing them, some football player chasing them. <laughs> but I think that you know the other pro- problem with the movie is that it never it, going back to well actually going back to that hospital scene, it feels like a large chunk of the movie was missing from the moment they escape with the looker gun to when they get to the hospital scene. Like, it feels like there's a chunk of the movie missing. And uh, and there is a deleted scene that does explain, again, like, what's been... Like, why everything has happened in the first half, uh, or the first hour of the movie. Like, why the girls have been murdered, and why Susan Day is being tracked down. And Albert Finney's probably going to get, like, roped into it all as, like, you know, he's the guy that's been murdering everyone.
1: Yeah, like, they very clearly try to make him the fall guy. That, I think, was the most clear aspect of, like, the whole conspiracy yeah, thing.
0: Yeah, I think... In, in But the problem is, that scene's not in the movie. So, Diego, I have to ask you, having seen the movie, and did you ever see that deleted scene I sent you uh, with that, like, you know, the bad guy explaining the whole plot?
1: Uh, no, I don't think I did. Oh,
0: okay, so... There's a deleted scene that has actually appeared in TV, like, TV versions of this movie of where James Coburn's character, uh, Mr. Reston, uh, like, they come and visit, um, he comes and visit uh, Albert Finney and Susan Day's character, like, after they've been captured uh, again by the football jock, and he basically goes over, like, why he's killed the girls, and... His whole thing was, well, every corporation must shred documents in order for the competition to not get it. So, so our, so you know, we so we had to terminate you know all of our documents so corporation, so other corporations wouldn't try and get in on the technology we're using, and the other factor was. The experiment they were using with the incremental like millimeter measurements of getting perfection didn't work anyway in that the girls were too perfect. The girls were too perfect and they were taking like eyes away from the product itself. (laughs) Um Okay. I I I mean that that's in the movie, but
1: it's not a it's not it's not like a a Bondian villain. Yeah, but there's
0: a whole scene that's basically like that. That's deleted. And okay, it's really... but it's,
1: it's more sinister the sinister implications are there
0: oh yeah and it leads to after that scene them escaping and going to the doctor's office that's what that that's what it but the problem with having that scene in is it, it implies that the police are in on it and that the detective that's been a part of the movie is also like you know wrapped into it too but the ending of the movie is that same police detective shoots reston at the end, was Reston just saying that the police were in just to fuck with these people, or were they? Or were they, and then they had to change a heart, or like, like maybe I wonder if there's like more
1: unreleased footage of of like the police uh, being in on it, but then like covering it all up and being like, let's just scrap the whole project or something, because that that would have like really sinister uh, Westworld type ending too. Right. You know?
0: Well i don't know if there is but i mean the script was at one point the shooting script was at 131 pages and this is a 90 minute movie so oh so they cut a lot maybe i mean maybe um i mean damn that's that that's like 30 minutes of footage possibly missing yeah.
1: That's like an Alien 3, like, assembly cut type situation.
0: Yeah, but the difference is, Michael... This is like a 100%, as far as I'm... Con- as far as I'm aware, 100% of Michael... There, there was no,
1: like, a studio pressure or anything Well,
0: like this that? was made by the LAD Company, who is also familiar to the show because they did Blade Runner.
1: That's right. So,
0: uh, and this was also during the time when the LAD Company was making, like, the right stuff. Uh... Uh, Body Heat and a couple other uh, movies, the Police Academy movies. So, as far as I know, there was no studio interference, as as I'm concerned. However, um, it's just... However, it is it is odd that there's a lot taken out of it. But Michael Crichton has even said, I think, in the commentary that editing this movie was very tough because he likes his movies to be very much... You know, he likes to be in and out. Like he likes to get in early, get in out. He's very much one of those like writers and that's how Westworld is as well, is West, like the moment um You Brenner is killed in Westworld, the movie also abruptly ends. So I mean so the with Looker ending right after Reston dies, it's like, oh, the movie's over. <laughs> the movie the movie has ended. And, um, so, so maybe, like, in Michael Crichton's mind, he just cut out a bunch of stuff that he just felt wasn't, wasn't moving the movie along, and he thought the exposition would kind of, or the, the, he felt like the movie's, like, subtlety could carry through, but it, but that also kind of becomes a problem because some people won't catch, like, I'm afraid a lot of people won't catch when they watch this that, the reason why this whole thing has happened is because the experiment has failed. Cause they just say it casually in the movie, like in the movie as it is like the, the lead scientists, uh, the, the lead female scientist just mentions, well, the experiment failed. And so I don't know if everyone will put together that connection as well, especially with how movies are not as subtle as they usually are nowadays.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know, cause it's um it's it is, it's weird because it's a very short movie. It's, it's it is ninety minutes long, uh, but like even the first like ten minutes, I was kind of like, all right, this scene doesn't need to be that long. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that that, that that that's fine, you know. I mean, not not everything is perfect, uh, and I did enjoy the movie again, but like. I kind of felt the length, and it's only 90 minutes, which is uh, odd. Uh, but it, it, some movies, you know, not everyone's J.J. Abrams. Not everyone can cut for pacing because, like, he very much cuts his movies for pacing. Force Awakens, boom, bam, boom, pow. Um, Star, all the Star Trek movies, the boom, bang, boom, pow, you're in, you're out. Michael Crichton, I feel, it's going to sound weird, he's too smart. <laughs> To, to go that way. Not that Abrams is like dumb or anything like that. I think he's he's very underappreciated for um his handling of uh, visual storytelling. And Crichton, oddly enough, I think is not the best visual storyteller. But he's a very good writer. So it's like if you got those two things together, that would be like... The greatest film of all time. Which just why um, Jurassic Park is so great. It, it, this one's nowhere... Yeah, because Spielberg's uh, pretty intelligent. I don't know if he writes that much, but I know he does do like a comb-over on every script he does. And then, um, obviously, one of the greatest visual storytellers in the history of visual storytelling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Michael Creighton is not. So this one does drag in, in parts a lot. And like, there's not really a lot of tension... Um, but I will say there's, like, a real tactile nature to the action sequences that I really liked. Uh, they're thrilling enough, and then there's a good car chase that I liked a lot. Car chases kind of bore me, on, and, like, just in general, it's hard to, to really win me over with a car chase. But this one was a lot of fun because of the looker gun, and it was like, oh, he ha- he can't let them get ahead of him. He has, stay, he has to stay in front of them, but he can't, like, he can't close his eyes because he's driving, but he can't keep them open for too long. Like, there's a really fun, like push-and-pull sort of vibe with, with that whole thing. I really like that. Um, so he, he's got, like, something as a director in terms of, like, the, the intensity and, like, the immediacy of his action. But, uh, like, when the first assassination sequence happens, that was like, I know where this is going. I've seen Lethal Weapon. And that's not his fault Lethal Weapon came after. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, this is not thrilling to watch.
0: I mean, it's, you're right, but I mean, I think the, it's intense enough. Like, I mean, it's very much, you know, cause, cause A, you're learning more, cause you have to think about this. You're learning about the Looker. You're learning how everything is happening in that moment, in that opening scene where, you know, oh, there's a passage of time. There's, oh, she's being stunned and it's manipulating her to basically fall into her window curtain, where it comes off, and then she f- falls off the balcony. And so it, it's a it's a clever scene. It's a little silly because you're just like, how calm conv- It's a, it just goes on too long. I think. yeah.
1: I think it goes on too long, and I get he's trying to like like make it a little more tense, you know, like what's going on, make the audience like participate in the moment. Um but specifically for an assassination sequence that involves the character losing track of time I did not <laughs> and it was like let's let's go this is like a 5 minute long sequence you don't you don't need all of that you know like oh. I, I'm cool with this if this is like an 80 minute movie I think it actually needs less time I would be
0: okay if this was an, a twilight zone episode Yeah
1: like if this was like 60 40 to 60 minutes long then it would be like perfectly efficient yeah. But then I still need like those like like a better sense of continuity between scenes and whatnot. Let me But uh minor quibbles. Minor quibbles. Let me ask
0: you this, Diego. What would the world have been like if Michael Crichton was like a staff writer on the Twilight Zone in the Rod Serling era?
1: Uh, oh, that would be interesting. I, I wonder what he'd do. I bet he would like test out some of these ideas because he had a lot of like really weird ideas going around. Um I don't know. I, he'd probably come up with something like uh city on the edge of forever okay which is like my favorite twilight zone ep- I mean, um uh, not a star trek episode i mean he, i bet he'd come up with something like that but in in the twilight zone universe all
0: right because that's what i kind of think of a lot of uh, michael Crichton stuff is this would be really good for a twilight zone episode this is west even the westworld movie i'm like this is a really good idea for like I know we've now gotten Black Mirror that's essentially Twilight Zone with technology, but still, it's like, this would have been interesting. And they almost, like, crossed paths, uh, Rod Serling and Michael Crichton. Like, they were almost, like, writing in that same era. It's just Rod Serling was early and Michael Crichton was late.
1: And if I'm being honest, I I know my co-host and cohort, Gene, is a big fan of Black Mirror. He's reviewed it multiple times on this podcast. Um, I'm not crazy about it. I've I've only seen a handful of episodes, though. So, personally, I am looking forward to the resurgence of the Twilight Zone. Because I'd like to get some that I do enjoy, again.
0: Well, yeah. And I have not not seen Black Mirror. I'm just going by what I've been told. So,
1: uh... Okay, yeah, yeah. I think that, that is a very common thing we hear about it.
0: Yeah. So... It, it, so the other thing I kind of wanted to bring up is the. Let me look back on my notes. So, did you ever did we ever explain what this movie's plot is? At all?
1: Uh, no, but it's kind of not. Uh, it's really it's 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 kind of sound kind of funny because coming out after us, it's like the the plot is kind of like it's kind of like the coat hanger to all the ideas that the writer and director is interested in, like, exploring. Like, it's not that important. It's important enough. But, like, any inconsistencies along the way are kind of, like, secondary to, like, how effective the set pieces are and how effective the ideas are in getting across. Us is a much better movie, by the way. Us is, like... Oh, yeah. Way, way better. I'm not, I'm not saying they're the same, like, capacity of quality. I'm just saying it's, it's a similar kind of idea you got to go in um, when you head into these movies. And I'm actually kind of surprised that it, it was so critically lambasted when it first came out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I was deeply surprised because it's because I think it's much more fascinating than people would give it or people back then gave it credit for. But I don't. It's just odd. Uh, I don't know. It's just odd. But I mean, it was a different time, and also it came out like in the middle of fall. So it, it, And it was dropped like on the same weekend as like one of the most anticipated sequels of that entire year. So it, it, it kind of had no, uh, no fighting. It had, it had no chance of fighting or no chance to fight. So I don't have a whole lot more to say other than I can talk about. Uh, we can talk about some of the production history. Oh uh, yeah
1: yeah let's, let's wrap up as you do that all right
0: so to wrap things up the production history kind of started Like michael crank started looking into or started thinking about these ideas in 1975 when he wrote and directed the great train robbery uh, and he, and he kind of thought about these ideas of advertising and taking over and also i think westworld or one of his movies has like a cgi hand or like the first computer generated thing ever and so he's like oh that's kind of interesting i wonder what would happen if we had like computer generated people and the people he was talking with that were doing this were like oh yeah we've already scanned people uh into computers and have you know done like crude versions of what people look like and uh it's called a tomography." is I, I think that's correct tomography and so that kind of snowballed into him writing thinking about and writing the script and then um, the lad company picked it up uh, i don't know exactly what the budget of the movie is but it were, but it was a low lower budget maybe more like mid-range budget for its time so maybe in the 8 to 10 million dollar budget range um and then when they and then the movie had to come down from an R to a PG. So this movie was rated PG. And Diego, how many like shots of how many times do naked women appear in this movie?
1: Uh, more than a handful. So I'm actually surprised that it, it's not R.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, it got an R of originally, but they reduced it to a PG. I don't know how.
1: That's. I'm actually, like, okay, because I, I actually think the MPAA is run by fucking morons, and they're way too hard on nudity and, like, adult content that's not murder, you know? And so, like, there are a couple murders in this, too, but they're not, like, that violent either. So, I mean, there's no blood at the very—there's not a lot of blood I mean, in this the, movie. yeah. So, I guess, yeah, I guess this it's the rare instance where I'm like, okay, yeah. Good good on you.
0: Good good enough. Um, you know. What else? We're You can tell, listeners, we're very much stretching thin on a movie that I thought was very interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's an interesting movie to check out. I'm like, oh, wow, here are all these ideas that are, like, very prescient to, like, our society now. And that's kind of uneasy and unnerving. And we should really be proactive in how we deal with these things going forward. But also, you know, it's like they say don't judge a book by its cover i'll say sometimes the cover is all you need from the book and that's okay you know like sometimes it's all the ideas are laid out right in front of you you just take them and run with it that's okay too not everything needs to be like us where i'm gonna be thinking about it basically every day for the rest of my life
0: oh god that's horrible
1: (laughs) but uh, i'll be thinking about this enough and well no us just like seared itself into my brain us is is gonna be the best movie of 2019 like I'm pretty sure till, till it's over. Uh, th- that's how good us is. It's hijacking this podcast and I'm gonna say go watch us and then go check out Looker Liquor, because looker is a very interesting little film and I'd like for this fan base to to grow a little more in its nicheness but uh, yeah oh here's here's a fact that I I discovered about okay. this. movie. It was the first film to create three-dimensional shading with a computer. Months before Tron, which is often cited as the um, the first film to do so, so Tron was not the first. It was actually Looker. Mm. Uh, Tron is also, I think, a better film than this. But I do like <laughs> Looker. I, I keep poo pooing that. I keep saying. I keep talking about other movies that are better, but I, I did like Looker, and I want to make that clear. And I, and I am glad I watched it. Hi,
0: I'm Cindy. I'm the perfect female type. <laughs> I'm Cindy. I'm the perfect female type. You don't know what's going
1: on. Again, this film is very... It has very disconcerting ideas about uh, corporations. Yeah. Uneasily realistic.
0: Yeah. And I'm also still stretching thin. <laughs> uh, so...
1: other uh, <laughs> On that note, uh, Kale, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, on, on that note... <laughs> On that note, where can people find you? Go, why don't you go ahead and plug whatever you got?
0: You can find me on Twitter at MovieKale and you can also follow the show at The Youth Critic at, that I do. Um, and then you can follow the channel that distributes my podcast at KHC Network. Um, other things. So I mentioned I do The Youth Critic Podcast. It's a show where I review movies, do retrospectives much like this one. And I also talk about occasionally the Netflix craze. Hey, look up! Look for a podcast coming soon on Love, Death, and Robots. I really like that show, and I think, and we'll, and I'm going to talk about it eventually. I haven't found my person yet, but we're going to talk about it eventually. Um, and other than that, uh, please watch Looker. It's a, fa- it really is a fascinating movie. Diego and I are really stretching to come up with a lot of things to say about it, but. I found it a very fascinating watch, and I think it's the one Michael Crichton movie that I wish people would give one more shot at. Like, you probably were bored the first time you watched it in 1981, but this one... But this time, you know, give it one more shot. Watch it in today's context. Watch it with... I would actually say, watch it with 2019 eyes.
1: Yeah, I I think there's a lot to take away from it. Again, it's not... It's not like uh, anything... Like mind-blowing per se but it is it is touching on things that are are, are eerily prescient again in like our modern world and um I, I guess i didn't mention this i think the production design is really great the, the art and like production are are really fascinating and uh, really well put together and i imagine a 4k of this would look stunning uh with that that classic 80s uh set design and everything now again, thank you, Kale, for joining me. Uh, links down to everything he mentioned down below. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you like this, like and subscribe on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Check out our Patreon. If you didn't like this, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something to do like. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional.
0: This is more than commercials. They're killing all the girls that are perfect. I did surgery on several girls a few months back. There have been some suicides. <laughs>
1: What have you got me mixed up in? I have a right to know if somebody's trying to kill me.